but I'd love to honor Serena because I'd like to flip the black girl magic scenario when I look at her and how it requires more than just being naturally strong because that's what she had to deal with. People taking her for granted and not accepting her in the field just because she's black and she's supposed to be strong. No, yeah. she's also smarter and works harder and is stronger mentally. Um, and just to see how she was put down and just kept her head up the whole time, the way we, and also as like a, I have light skin privilege and you just to see like a dark skin woman being spoken about in such ugly ways. It just breaks yeah. my heart. She's beautiful. Um, anyways, I could go on and on. So she deserves a song. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to another one Convos. Today joining us is a very special guest, Addy Oasis. And we're going to talk about, you know, her background, her music, her rise to this point, her upcoming album, and uh, a little bit of everything in between. So first of all, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So I was like to kind of start at the beginning um, when we talked to the artists that we haven't talked to before. Kind of like, what is your background? How did you get started in music? Uh, so I started with music when I was very, very young. Uh, I have three older brothers and sisters and they all sing and play instruments. My dad's from the Caribbean. So music was part of our home. Um, okay. so I, I can, re I mean, I don't remember specifically, but at two years old, I was already singing. Um, and then growing up, I was in a choir and was on TV a lot in France too. So it's touring, started touring when I was six years old. So it's, it's always been, oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> It's always been uh, what I do. That's all I know. Yeah, it sounds like at six years old, it's very early to be like turn around. But uh, yeah. So you grew up in Paris, correct? Yes, I did. I grew up actually right outside of Paris. Um, uh, I like to mention it because there's like an expectation when I say Paris that I grew up in this these beautiful streets and next to the Eiffel Tower. But I'm very proud um, that I'm, I grew up in the projects right outside of Paris. Mm -hmm. So I did not have the glamorous uh, upbringing, you know, I come from a low income, lower income family and grew up in the, in the, in suburban projects area. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Paris many times. I spent a lot of time in France as well. And one thing I know about Paris is it's also kind of very diverse. So how's like, you, I'm sure you growing up in those projects in different areas, you grew up around like all types of different cultures and people. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I love um, most about it. Reflecting back on it. Um, I feel so rich in, in the sense that I was um, in touch with so many different cultures and languages. And, and in France, it's, it's a little bit different from the U S where like, especially at my time, everyone was first generation. So it, you know, the difference here in, in the U S you're black, you're most likely African-American. And that's also yeah. amazing. Um, for us, it was most people are from Northern Africa, West Africa, a lot of West Indians, um, and also Portuguese, Spanish, Italian, Romanians, Polish, yeah. and everybody had their own language and culture at home. And uh, we used to go and hang out and like every time it was like, it was a world tour every day. Sounds like it. So mm -hmm. kind of what were some like your biggest influences musically otherwise that kind of like got you into what you're into now? Uh, Prince, <laughs> yeah. if I have to name one artist, um, but where I am now, you know, was, it was a, there was a long journey in self-discovery and that came through discovering other kinds of music. And it started with, you know, nineties, early 2000 R and B 
what mm-hmm. was on the radio when I was growing up. Um, and quickly after I moved to New York, I, I really like discovered funk and disco. And that really changed my life in terms of me thinking, wow, this is me. This is who I want to be on stage. This is how I want to express myself. So 70s funk, you know, P-Funk, Slide yeah. of Family Stone, Bootsy Collins, also Minnie Ripperton, Curtis Mayfield changed my life. Chaka Khan, all-time favorites. <laughs> I could go on and on. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how big was, you know, the light music is funk influence, funk fuse. Like, how big was funk, like, in Paris and in France at that time when you were coming up? I did not really know the whole concept of funk until I moved to the U.S. I mean, I moved here right after high school. So I was 19 years old, in one year of college in France. Um, But I was kind of more immersed in, like, R&B and, and Neo Soul at the time was big yeah. and it was the end of Neo Soul and then um, Soul Music. I had done my research and I was completely obsessed with Aretha Franklin, um, Gladys Knight, um, you know, all of the, that, that, that time and Stevie Wonder, that time was really like sonically and in terms of songwriting was already huge on me. Um, and it's only later I remember um, like the first artist I really dug in when I moved to the to the U.S. was Curtis Mayfield. I knew his music, but I hadn't really heard his name. And yeah. I, it was such a long journey and so much to discover, you know. OK, so um, like I said, you moved to New York, you moved to Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I moved to New York. So, I mean, I was in Manhattan the first few months, but yeah, okay. Brooklyn pretty quickly. So how was that experience like going from France and and moving to the U.S. and kind of New York, which is such a big, crazy place sometimes. Like, how was that experience coming over and kind of trying to find your footing? It was super hard and just incredible. And also very amazing at the same time. Everything that was difficult, there was something that was extremely easy at the same time. Um, You know, for instance, I mean, and I was 19, so I was also taking, I was taking slaps in the face every day and that's that's new york you know like you have the experience you have in like a year is what the equivalent of life in like five years anywhere else uh, so i had to grow up really really fast um but what i what i retained from it from the time is the level of encouragement that i got from other people that's what i was seeking that's what i found there like you can do it you can be a musician you can be a star you can do whatever you want i needed to hear that uh, and I needed to see people that were better than me, a thousand times yeah. better than me, because that was my inspiration. I don't believe in competition, especially in New York, because people are better than you. So, you you know, yeah. you got to you got to get your shit together and find your own sound. It just force force it forces individuality. Yeah. So like you said, you're French Caribbean. Um, you come to America. Like you said, most people, when you come to the U.S., they assume that you're african-american so like how was your experience kind of like getting into like the african-american culture and like where people kind of just assuming you're already like familiar with everything and like approaching you like that well i will say my accent was a lot stronger so no one thought i was african-american <laughs> for the okay. first 10 years uh some people hear my accent today some people don't it's a mystery to me um but i yeah i i, I actually will say that i was I do think that I was treated better than African-Americans and that's bullshit. Sorry for cursing, but that's, you know, I do see the, the some of the bias and like, you know, Oh, you're French. And like, why, yeah. you know, yeah. and I, and I will say 
funny because I was thinking about that last night and I said, if I win a Grammy, I will thank African-Americans um, <laughs> because I'm Afro-Caribbean. Um, and we take African-Americans for granted um, because they, what they've created when it comes to music, I'll talk about my field, but they've done more even so behind, yeah. but beyond music. But um, we, we take it for granted. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm black and I, I come from a similar story of, you know, enslaved people and being from the Caribbean. So I relate in so many ways to African-Americans, but I, I have so much respect and I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for, for them and what they've created and the music and the legacy and the boundary pushing constantly. Um, and you know, what they've created inspired a little black girl in France in the hood, you know? So yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Great answer. But I'm answer. Yeah. We can't it's just take it for granted and just take it for ourselves without recognizing who we're taken from, you know? <laughs> it's always appreciated for sure. So you also play, you know, you play guitar, you play other instruments, but I think mostly right now you're playing the bass. So kind of how was your like introduction to bass and like, who are some like your, your influences, especially like in funk and soul, there's so many, like there's such a long lineage of, of players like Bootsy Collins, um, Thundercat now, uh, Larry Graham, you know, people like that. Like, so who kind of like inspired you with the bass and like, how was your kind of introduction to it? Um, I I've always been a big fan of bass and the sound and the attitude that goes with it. I've always just paid attention to the bass player when I'm watching a band. That's always been a natural thing for me. Um, maybe cause I like the music that I come from, which is Zouk from Martinique is like drums that, that's very bass heavy. So yeah. maybe that's where it comes. Um, but I started with guitar when I was about 16 to start writing songs. And after I moved to New York with my first band, uh, I was playing guitar poorly. I was never really good at guitar <laughs> and we had a show and the bass player dropped at the last minute. And the guys were like, Hey, you play guitar why don't you just play bass literally put a bass in my hand and the show was two days later i did not know what i was doing but i fell in love completely with the instrument and i locked myself in a room for like a year and was a hermit and just practiced and practiced and i became a bass player um and yes i love the examples you mentioned in terms of inspirations because these are people that broke the boundaries of like the stereotypes attached to bass and that re yeah. I relate to them on so many levels sonically, but also attitude wise. And bass is an interesting instrument because, and I have that in me as well, because I've played with a lot of backing people and I love being the bass player in the back. That's chilling right next to the, right next to the uh, drummer. And just yeah. our job is to make everybody else sound good. And mm -hmm. it's kind of this, this knowing this self knowledge that like, I know I'm the most imp important person on stage, but nobody knows that. And I'm okay with that. Um, and that's some drummers, some drummers would argue, argue that point, you know, of course, we're all going to argue with that, <laughs> but I'm a bass player. I'm going to say, and I'll say that before the singers, like who cares about singers? Um, but yeah, and that's helped me a lot for production. Like I think my, in terms of, as a producer, this is how I approach music from kind of like the bass player perspective, yeah. like, how can you make, that's why I love having duets so much. Cause I love having other artists like shine in, in my world. And that's the base there in me. Uh, but then, you know, watching Bootsy and Verdeen White and Larry Graham in particular was like, okay. And Prince, incredible bass player, Michelle and Deggio Cello, 
uh, was like, oh, wow, you can be in front and flashy and... Yeah. And that's who I am and put on crazy outfits. And, and there, there, there are those bass players out there. And these people have changed the world <laughs> yeah. of music. Yeah, they definitely proved that bass can be, you know, the leading man of a band. They can lead a whole band just on bass. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking about like your earlier career, you said you were in a band. Um, the name was Escort, correct? Yeah. So how was like your experience with that band? Um, what are the things that you kind of learned learn from, from that period? Uh, I learned a lot about disco so much. Like these guys were like great diggers and they had so, you know, I learned so much. Like I dug into Giorgio Moroder and that whole, you know, so like there's, so, there was so much music that I didn't know about and like records and like these little hidden gems. Um, so I learned, I learned a lot. Um, and also what I gained from being in my, my time with that band is my, my stage performance. Um, okay. It was, I learned so much and I found myself, I found my, who I was on stage through that band. Okay. And so like, what was the point where you were like, okay, it's time to go solo. Like, what was that decision? Um, I was doing more and more songwriting for my own doing, started dabbling with production, uh, because I had things to say and musical dreams that I needed to achieve. And I wasn't going to do that with that band because the genre mm. wasn't, wasn't what I wanted to do uh, on my own. Yeah. Um, and then Prince passed away and it gave me a kick. It's like, it was like, okay, you can't waste any more time uh, because we don't live forever. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's one, that's a combination of all these things. Okay. And um, when you first came out, you were going by as Adeline, which is your actual name. So kind of what was the... Adeline. Adeline. My fault. My American accent. You just answered answered why I changed it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, now it's Addy Addy Oasis. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what was, like like you said, part of the reason is probably mispronunciation. Is that part of the reason why you wanted to switch to... That's the main yeah. reason, honestly. I mean, and that reason comes with a lot of things, but yeah, my name is Adeline, not Adeline. And like, <laughs> I found that like, whenever I was in an interview or with people or even with fans, like it just kind of brings a negativity into the conversation, correcting somebody that's already giving you props. Like for instance, like you're here, you're giving me your time listening to my story. I'm so honored. And I'm here like telling you, you did something wrong and it's just not a good feeling for either yeah. of us. Um, and I didn't want that in the room anymore. And I had just, just so much attached to my name because I'm an immigrant because it's my culture. English is my third language. And I just was not willing to compromise the pronunciation of my name. Um, there's that. And even like visually, it just didn't fit who I became after I became the artist that I am today, after I developed my music and my sound and my whole persona. Um, and I like to share the story because I want other artists to know, like, there isn't just one form, one way of doing it. You know, there's yeah. not an order. We're not all born Prince and our name is Prince and we're a genius. Unfortunately, it took me a long time <laughs> and it's okay. Uh, and I'm very comfortable as Addy Oasis now. And that was the last piece of the puzzle. And now we're, we're ready for the world. <laughs> <laughs> and what year, what year did you uh, officially make the change? 2021. Okay. Um, no, 2022. Yeah. Okay. So last year. Yeah. It's very new, very fresh, but it's, I've been living uncomfortably with my previous stage name for like four or five years. 
Um, and it was time to change it. And everything's kind of unlocked since, you know, you get weird, get rid of, I'm watching, I'm looking at your t-shirt, like you get rid of fear and like everything unlocks. And that was the last piece. I didn't change it because I was afraid of people's reactions. Yeah. And who cares? <laughs> when I stopped caring, everybody got on board. <laughs> well, I think it's a great fit for a name. Um, very, it stands Thank out, you. you know. And um, I was going to say, like, when, the, when you changed it last year, it kind of came at the end of, you were already kind of making a shift from, like, the start of the pandemic until then. So kind of like, mm-hmm. I think your sound, I heard, heard some of your past stuff, I think your sound kind of, like, evolved over the years. How would you say, like, that period really helped shape where you are now? Oh my God. Um, well, first I made so much music in 2020 cause I had oh, nothing yeah. else to do, but be in the studio. Um, and it, it's, it's also like, it made me, um, kind of bring the, my love for being, for, for writing and producing and my love for performing brought to the same level. Cause it used to be like, I love performing more and that's it. Um, and now it's, it's equal because I just really like got better and, find ways to make it work for me and created so much music, um, that I, I got closer to my sound. I spent a lot of time with my band, just jamming to we no one was on tour. So we were just at the studio, just jamming and jamming and playing the four of us. And that, that really like helped kind of like marinate the funk, you know? Uh, and, yeah. and yeah, my, my sound evolved. Yeah. You reached like uh, some like 25 tracks and you went from 5k to, uh, I think you're like over 800,000 listeners a month now. Yeah. It's crazy. So kind of like when, when all that happened, like were you kind of surprised were you taken by surprise that people were like gravitating so, so much to what you're putting out. It was gradual, you know, I mean, the biggest, the big leap was Mango that I released with Kamal because mm-hmm. that was that was an obvious like whoa, this is like level jumping. Like people are loving this song, and it was amazing to just have that feeling of like wow, we have we we created this piece of music together that people are really really resonating with. Um, the rest, the way I approach career and life in general is just little goal by little goal. You know, I don't have one like finish line that I'm trying to reach. So it's all part of the process. What I'm happy about is that, and it goes, you know, with the name as well as like, I'm, I'm just, I got to a place of creating music that I was envisioning in my head. Yeah. Uh, and that took a long time for me and a place where I'm, I'm more fearless, where I, I just kind of do what I want. And I feel like the more I do that, the more people um, kind of gravitate. Yeah. Um, I definitely see that. We all, I mean, that's obviously our names living life through this. So we always say like being able to live fearlessly and be yourself is kind of what people gravitate towards the most uh, the authenticity and, and whatnot. Um, what I was going to ask, oh, I was going to ask, um, you know, you also collaborate with, uh, just a full range of people and, um, uh-huh. from Chad Faker to Kamal, like you said, uh, I think you had one of Masego was Masego. Yeah, Masego did um, a remix. I mean, he jumped on Mango and did a verse, which was which was okay. Great. That's what it was. Yeah. So kind of like like you said, do you always like to surround yourself by people who are better than you in music and who are also doing kind of the same things you're doing? So like, what what is it that brings out the best in you when you like collaborate with these other artists? Um, I think it's all about the. You never know. You never know. It, you know, I've been very lucky with collaborations. Uh, and sometimes I tried and it hasn't worked, you know, so, and you can't force it. 
but there's something about like, you know, attraction is, is a real thing. It's a real chemical thing mm -hmm. with like, with the music that you hear, you know, like even for instance, when I was playing bass for CeeLo, I was like 16 years old in my bedroom and loved CeeLo Green and Norris Barkley, or maybe I was, oh, I can't remember, or maybe I was younger, but, and when I met him, he was like, oh, I like your bass playing. You want to play for me? And it's like, oh, wow. Okay. And it, it was, it's all these moments where it's like, and that helps you trust yourself. It's like, wow, the people that I'm digging is also, are, are also digging me. That's crazy. Um, and you were just talking about numbers earlier and, and this sleep. Like I was a fan of Kirby and Jamila Woods for a long time. And now, and like, now they're on this new album. Yeah. And now they're on, they're like my peers, you know, uh, and they were my peers already and they didn't care about the numbers and stuff. Um, and I learned, yeah, I learned so much from everybody I'm, 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 I'm writing with. It's just amazing to, it is confirmation that just music is just, just a magical thing where like you just, the conduit, you know? Yeah. You also been on tour, like incredible people, Anderson Pack, Keisha Cole, Jungle, stuff like this. So like, I always want to ask, do you have like any super memorable moments from, from those, from those tours, from those shows? Um, they're all great. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. There's so okay. many great That's moments, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's all every time I'm, you know, and if, whether it's with other people or by myself, or shows when I used to play for 250 people in a room, it's all, I'm just always lucky to be performing. I just love to perform. And if somebody shows up to see me, I'm just blessed, you know? Yeah. You also did um, a colors video, which brought in a lot of people, a lot of eyes. Like what was your kind of experience with that and kind of the feedback from that one? Uh, manifestation is real. Um, <laughs> Cause it was on my, it was on my vision board the year before and it was one of my goals. And, uh, that was the first thing I did in 2021. That was the first colors of that year. Um, and was it 2021 or 2022? I think 2021, but I think, I think yeah. it's 2021. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. And it was just a, a goal achieved. And the way I am, I'm like, okay, next, <laughs> you know, <laughs> All right. Um, last thing, I mean, obviously the Grammys happened recently, so I don't know if you got a chance to watch it or catch up on anything that was going on. I watched and I, I woke up this morning thinking, you know, I shouldn't watch anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, why do you feel that way? Uh, God, do you have five hours? No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> I, I, I enjoy some of it. I just have a, I don't know. I just have a weird relationship with the Grammys, you know, but I, um, take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's like, I watch it and I feel like I'm watching the hunger games. Uh, -huh. yeah. Can I uh, just I mean, end I there? I definitely understand. I just know what you mean. Yeah. Absolutely um, right there. <laughs> yeah. But Kendrick Lamar, I'm so glad he won. Uh, I, I wish Beyonce got, album of the year. I don't know when they're ever going to give it to her, but you know, yeah, that's uh, that. And, uh, <laughs> but I did not listen to the Harry Styles album. And, and that's the other thing. I, I don't, I'm like, I am not a, like, I have no ear or desire to listen to pop music. Um, and I, I have to change that maybe, or maybe not, but I, I just, I'm very much stuck in anything that was made before uh, 1985. 
Um, there are some modern artists that I that I love, but they're not at the Grammys. But um, the girl who won Best Artist of the Year, I was that that brought a tear to my eye. I was like, okay, you you better work. Okay, right. I mean, you know, you might find yourself at the Grammys one day. So I think like I that. will be there when I really stop caring completely about it. <laughs> and then they'll call me best new artist and um, I'll be like, wow, I've been doing this for so many years. But, no, I mean, yeah. I, I would be, I would be incredibly, incredibly happy if I'm, if I'm there, let's be real, but I don't really, I also will be happy if I'm not, I'm fine. Okay. And you also mentioned how, you know, you do have a love for like kind of the retro, retro sound, funk, soul, all that. So kind of what do you think of the current state of funk and soul uh, in the genre wise is these days? We're in a good place. There's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I mean, I, I would love to know what the originators of that genre think, you know, like I'm sure Bootsy might be like, it's all shit or maybe not. Um, but I don't know. I feel like it's such a good time for music where there's, you know, so many artists that like are instrumentalists and like multi-talented and do so much, like really understand the, the, the genre and are not imitating, but honoring in their way. Mm -hmm. And just, I feel like it's a good wave. I mean, mono neon and like Laven Cali is like super funky Kirby. Like we call each other sisters Mm -hmm. in funk. And like, there's just a really good time for like young funky musicians, I think. Yeah, definitely see like young artists kind of bringing it back to the forefront and maybe not, maybe not being the full genre, but definitely taking elements, elements of it and putting it into their music. You definitely hear it more and more these days. Yeah. Okay. So Lotus Flower is coming out in one month. Lotus Glow. March 3rd. Lotus Flow. Lotus, Lotus, no, Lotus Glow. Like Lotus Glow. Okay. Yeah. Completely written wrong. Lotus That's Glow. Okay, okay no so problem. Lotus Glow comes out in one month, I believe, March third. Um, March third, yeah. So, what's the name? Is there like any meaning, significance behind the title? Yeah, um, it's about all the things we talked about with my growth and my um, becoming. You know, which I've kind of is what happened in the last couple of years, finding the name and finding the sound and. Um, being at that point of like, okay, I think now we can start. Like now we got that pieces of the puzzle and let's get, let's get it started. And that's the glow mm-hmm. part with like the hope and where I'm aiming to go and hoping to like, just bring some positivity in the world through my music. And, uh, and the Lotus flower is because, um, if I'm going to talk about myself and my story, um, I'm just going to have to tell the truth and like, you know, it's, the flower, the lotus grows out, grows out of the mud and some of it's ugly and, but the mud is not ugly. You need it. You need dirt for plants to grow. Um, so it's just like the root and then the flower. And then now we're going, where are we going? Okay. Lotus <laughs> glow, lotus glow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So is this considered like your first debut album as Eddie Oasis? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is like the culmination of all those years, you know, those two years you were putting out song after song, after song, like what, like out of all that, what kind of led you like, okay, time is time is now for, for that one. Um, the label. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I, it just kind of also felt like a natural thing because it's, you know, I, I actually do believe 
um, like Prince said uh, a few years ago at the Grammys, like albums matter. And it, 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 and this is a chapter and this is like a kind of writing a book of it's like an autobiographical and about my story. And I think it, it required more than five songs. Um, so that, that came with the concept and where I'm at as a songwriter and as an artist in general, it needed to be an album. It needed to be the start of something in a bigger way than just a collection of five, a few songs. Okay. And what was kind of like the creative process of, you know, bringing this to life, putting this together? Um, a lot of it came from performing so much on tour with the band and just mm. what happened previously with like kind of owning down the sound and where I wanted to go. Like, it was like, okay, I, I think we got the recipe now for like, it's just like kind of cooking. It's like, you're trying to bake this cake and it like yeah. the first time it's like, mm, maybe a little more yeast and a little more flour. And it's like, I found, I think I got to a place where it's like, okay, we're flowing now. We know exactly what we're doing and we can just add like powdered sugar and icing and whatever yeah. you need to. Um, and it was a lot of it was most of the album was just me with my band jamming in the studio and just like kind of taking takes. Like there, there are a couple songs that are like straight through one takes live, no click. Okay. Yeah. All and right. that, that made, that, that makes me really happy. Okay. And you also have like a lot of, you know, I got chance to actually hear, hear it before. So like, you also have like a lot of political, social um, <laughs> messaging in like a lot of songs and like the lyrics. Is that like a conscious effort for you? Is that just kind of like where you go when you, when you song like? Um, this is my most political work to date. Um, mm. And it, it's really because one, the times that we are living in and I started writing these songs in, in 2020 and you know, that, that was the world I was living in. And then the other thing is I'm telling my story and my story is a story of a black girl who grew up in the hood, who's an immigrant in a country where they kill black people for no reason. So I, that's my story. <laughs> So yeah. I had a lot to say, you know, I just, I, that's, uh, that's my truth and my truth gets political. It's just inherent. It's not a choice and that's what it is. Yeah. I would say like, even some of the songs I heard, like where the messaging was very strong, politically and socially, like it kind of brought me back to like some of those older songs you're saying, like Sly and Family Stone, like even like Marvin Gaye, when they speak about like what's just happening around them. And like, mm -hmm. I really appreciated that kind of, that kind of like commentary on what, what, what's going on, but like in a soulful, funky way. Thank you. I, it's a lot of, I think I've always wanted to do it, but um, it felt like too much of a responsibility. And also just like you said, it's been done in such like genius ways that I couldn't even mm -hmm. dare try to, Oh, I'm going to do like a, what's going on on my own. Hell no girl, you can't do that. You're not Marvin Gaye. <laughs> but by seeing it as me telling my story, it felt more natural and less pressure. Uh, Cause it's just, me telling my truth and not necessarily um, feeling the responsibility of reflecting the world because I, I don't, so many people can do it better than me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think you did, think you did a pretty good job here. And I think you also found Thank a way you. to tell it from your own kind of perspective. Cause like you said, Marvin Gaye, Sly, they're telling it, but it's also from like kind of a male perspective and you, you represent yeah, this oh, whole other true. side of it that you don't necessarily get from like older, older artists. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, so kind of what's been the response been so far to the things that you have released? It's been great. 
it's been, um, it's, it's been, yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful. It's the biggest song I had before that was mango and it and it was a duet and it was like Kamal song featuring me. Um, and just to see now this confirmation of like, Oh, people like my music. Like they, they really like mm. what's happening. And you know, the big, the, the feedback that I'm getting that makes me feel the most, um, accomplished in a way, uh, when people say that they feel inspired, you know, Oh, you inspire me. I yeah. like that. Cause I talk a lot about fear and just humbly explain how full of fear I was in so many occasions. And like, didn't make moves quick enough or I didn't change my name quick enough or just things like that. And, um, I try to, to kind of share that so that people know they're not alone when it happens to them. Okay. And sometimes um, they tell me that like I achieved that. So that's, I'm happy. <laughs> okay. Do you have any favorite tracks? Tracks out the project? Changes every day. Mm. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I can tell you mine. Um, oh yeah, you tell me yours. Go ahead. Uh, there's four that I always like. Kind of come back to dump all the guns. Uh, Marigold, Adonis. Uh, you make me want it. These are my faves. Oh, there it is. <laughs> and multiply. It's funny because dump all the guns. I feel like I'm. I, I'm. Yeah, I cannot wait because that one is not going to be a single. I just. I'm really curious to. Yeah, to hear what people think. So I'm. I'm glad you mentioned that one. I think, I think people will definitely like it. It was like very strong, very strong song. I think, I think Thank people you. really gravitate towards it. There's definitely one that I kind of picked out right away. I was like, oh, this I'll is I'll tell this you a little um, story. I, I recorded the vocals. I had like long COVID. I had, I had, I had a bad case of COVID, um, even though I was vaccinated. And I was like, it was one of my first times going back to the studio and I was, I could barely breathe. And I was, I just, it was a demo. I wrote it really quickly. And I kept it because it was, it sounded like <gasps> kind of uh, like that. And it kind of okay. works with the emotion of the song. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an anti-gun song, but also <laughs> song. Yeah. I mean, all those things were happening at the same time anyway. So that's kind of perfect. Yeah. It's like, could that be more real? <laughs> so there were a couple of tracks I did want to ask you about. Um, Serena, obviously used to the inspiration from Serena Williams. So kind of like what made you want to make a song kind of not, maybe not necessarily dedicate to her, but like about her in a way. Um, I find myself crying every time I see Serena play. <laughs> so in the past, she's just, even right now I have goosebumps. She just touches me in a way that I can't, I, I, I could cry right now. Um, mm -hmm. For so many reasons, but just to see this beautiful, dark skinned woman, just like, we don't understand how intelligent these people are to be on this court and to just be able to achieve that. I'm tired of the black girl magic being only about physical achievements. Like mm -hmm. we, that's why I wrote songs like red to violet, because we can do more than like, it's, we already know that racist people think that we're, we're strong and good at sports. Yeah. Yeah. You know, us being physically strong is one of the reasons why da, da, da. I'm not going to go yeah. further than that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'd love to honor Serena because I'd like to flip the black girl magic scenario when I look at her and how it requires more than just being naturally strong, because that's what she had to deal with people taking her for granted and not accepting her in the field just because she's black and she's supposed to be strong. 
No, she's also smarter and works harder and is stronger mentally. Um, And just to see how she was put down and just kept her head up the whole time, the way we, and also as like a, I have light skin privilege and used to see like a dark skinned woman being spoken about in such ugly ways. It just breaks my heart. She's beautiful. Um, Anyways, I could go on and on. So she deserves a song. Um, (laughs) I I wrote the song with Homer Steinweiss, who's an amazing and, and Paul Spring. But Homer is uh, obsessed with tennis. Homer is an amazing drummer. He's the original drummer for the Dap Kings. And um, he would come back from playing tennis. And that's all he talks about. I love tennis. I can't play in my mind. I can, but I can't. So together we, we were just talking about tennis in the session and it would kind of quick came quickly to me like, Oh, Serena. And it made sense for a tennis fan and me to be writing a song about her. I hope okay, she likes well, that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you get some type of video of her, you know, reacting to it. That'd be dope. That'd be definitely oh, super amazing. That's a good idea. Hey, I won't charge you for it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> So um, there's also another song you mentioned, Red to Violet. You also kind of, you know, use another very powerful, important black woman in, in America right now as kind of inspiration. Mm-hmm. So like, what was the story behind that one? Uh, I actually wrote the the song before Kitanji was even like known. Okay. Um, but it was one of those things. I think I wrote it after Serena and uh, I just... It started with the freestyle and I kind of wanted to say something in French and I said, à mon tour, which in French means it's my turn. Um, and it just kind of came naturally that that's, that's what I wanted to talk about. The, the lyrics for this album have just been flowing out of me. Like, you know, it was just low hanging fruit, like black yeah. women, it's our turn. It's just not that yeah. special. <laughs> um, but um, Jamila, Jamila Woods, her verse would just kind of like just just put the nail on the coffin on this yeah. one. She just slam dunked it. She's such an amazing writer. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. So you also mentioned like you got to work with, you know, some really big names like Kirby, who's worked with Rihanna and Ariana Grande. And you've also worked with um, Levon Cole. You like said you worked with Beyonce in her last album, Renaissance. So kind of like, mm-hmm. what was your experience working with them? And like how, how, how those sessions got? Um, it felt like confirmation that we're peers that like, you know, where we're, we have the same message. We have similar stories. We have similar trajectories and we belong in the same rooms. Um, yeah. And it was also confirmation that these were some of my favorite artists out there and like the love was given back, you know, we see each other yeah. and we got each other's back. Um, so it's, it's a big deal. Okay. Or do you feel like, you know, you know, I know a lot of artists and creative kind of struggle with that, like feeling like you've arrived, like you've, uh, you know, you're at that stage, like you said, like you look at them as like your peers now. Do you kind of feel like, okay, I'm here now. Like this is, this is it. Uh, it's not it. I hope it will never be it because there's Uh so much more to do. And there's so many, you know, people I want to collaborate with and, so much uh, that I need to learn and get better at. It's endless. And that's why I love what I do. Um, but I will say it's it in the sense that I, um, I'm more confident and I have a sound and an identity that I feel 100% happy with. So I can, I'm just, I learned how to swim. Now I'm swimming, you know, now it's just like 
swim. I'm not Michael Phelps yet, but <laughs> I can, I can swim. Okay. Um, so the album's coming out here soon. Do you have any like release plans for it? Uh, any special shows, anything you got planned just kind of for the, for the celebration of it all? Well, I'm going on tour, um, very soon after the album comes out. So I'm doing a North America tour, which is amer- amazing playing like 15 dates or more, I think, uh, bigger venues than I've ever played before, which is a big deal. Um, I would like to do a release party, something in New York that's like fun and exclusive and stuff. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Still working on that, but yeah, I'm just gonna do interviews like I'm doing right now <laughs> and, and just, uh-huh. yeah. And I hope, um, that people like the album, you know, I'm just probably going to hide myself <laughs> under a blanket for like three days. But the, the good thing is there's vinyl for this album. That's, that's the big Ooh, thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We're releasing in, in vinyl. You can pre-order it. <laughs> All right. So you kind of answered my question with the future holds for you after, after the release, you said you're going on tour, you know, 15, 15 cities. Um, anything else planned for this year? Like, any specific goals outside of, you know, album release tour and everything? Uh, well, Europe tour after that, I'm playing some okay. festivals in Europe, including Cross the Tracks, which was on my list. Uh, you know, just knocking them right off the list. Huh? A good one. Yeah. Coachella next year. Um, yeah, just, um, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I was asked that question recently and I, I said that one of my goals for this year is to be able to retain um, inspiration despite this album mm-hmm. and not see it as like a, okay, that's it. I don't have to make music right now. To, yeah. Cause I know when we're an album cycle and touring cycle, you can kind of get sweeped away um, and forget and not have or make time to write. Uh, mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to, I, I, my goal is to stay inspired and stay creative besides the fact that I have a, an album that I need to promote because that will be challenging. Great goal. Great goal. So like I said, <laughs> thank you. Lotus glow. Got me out here less than a month about, um, thank you for joining us. You know, it's great talk. Got to talk a little bit about everything. And, uh, we always like to say, is there anything that you want to say to viewers, listeners, wherever this goes out? Um, well, thank you for listening and inviting me. Um, and yeah, I, I, um, yeah, if you can pre-order the vinyl, that'd be great. That would, cause you know, that's a very special thing and I hope uh, I sell them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. Like I said, go pre-order, go pre-save, go run the streams up when the album is out. Uh, we will have all of our details down below where we're, you know, we post this up and, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully we can speak to you in the future when you got, you know, more inspiration to get out. So. I would love to. Thank you so much.